Well, yeah, what a wonderful deal, huh? New baby. Well, we are going to talk today about spiritual warfare for your family, friends, and acquaintances. And the reason that I was thinking about this, I've had, in the last couple months, multiple conversations that, that I was trying to explain how to positively affect and begin to, to, to bring the life of God into situations that aren't good. You know, and a lot of times, well, we're going to we're going to see this, but I know I've talked about spiritual warfare uh, on a personal basis, and I want to expand it to our friends, our families and our acquaintances. And then the principles that I'm going to give you expand to different things like uh, cities, regions, states and nations. So I'm just giving us some general principles for prayer, because a lot of times what I see happen is we look at the situations and then we become overwhelmed by the situation instead of nailing the things behind it. And you'll see that as we get going on. So what happens is that we can look through things through natural eyes, just our natural eyes, because we're so used to just living, responding to people and situations and looking at our family situation. You know, some things are, you know, we have unsaved loved ones might be in our family. We have ones where we have difficult situations and relationships with them we have situations where maybe co-workers are are uh, doing things that bring trouble and difficulties and so how can we approach that how can we deal with that in the spiritual realm and really begin to i think hopefully penetrate some things and allow god to work in those situations because we all have them it doesn't matter because where there where there are people there are situations. It's just the way it is. So we know that. So what happens, though, I think, is often we look through the situations, again, through our natural eyes, and when we see people doing stuff, we can easily respond in, in the flesh, right? Because they're there and we're in the flesh. They hurt us. They do things that irritate us or do whatever, and then we get irritated, and then we begin to respond and so what happens is that we become upset. We might become fearful for the situation. And for those who don't like to admit being fearful, you're, you're concerned. I'm concerned about this because we don't want to use the word fearful because that seems to be unchristian, but we're still fearful, but we're concerned for them and, and it overwhelms us and really begins to get us. And, and so... What we're talking about is that we think we can chide people into into the kingdom. You know, if I push somebody into the kingdom, if I chide them, if I if I you know, and we that's in the flesh. That's not going to really accomplish the things of God, because the flesh never really does. Or the other thing we can do is we can look at the outside circumstances and try to fix it. You know, we're in the fix-it mode. If I can fix this person, then we'll have everything under control. And really, God needs to fix the person, not us. And so what we do is we pray for change. See, we see the external things. For example, um, we see someone maybe that's dealing with alcohol or drugs or they're dealing with bad relationships one after another or they're dealing with anger or they're you know whatever you you pick whatever it is 
And so we pray, God, help them quit being angry. Help them quit drinking. Help them quit. And it doesn't really deal with the inner things that are behind that or even the spiritual realm that's behind that. And so we want to begin to see how we can actually take care of those things. So we look at the outward and, and what we call kind of, in, in my mind, it's called the fruit. You know, like a tree has fruit, but it's got roots in the ground and it's drinking some things. And so what happens is we want to pick the fruit, but it doesn't change the root. You know, it doesn't change the heart, doesn't change the inside. And so there's still struggles and things that need to be healed and areas that need to be delivered in a person's life. Another way we can try to deal with this is what I call prayer complaining. You know, you know what that is. God, don't you see what they're doing? Don't you see what's happening? Don't you see this? And we, we go after what they're doing. And we, instead of really praying to God, we're complaining to God. And, you know, he can handle it. He can handle our complaints. But I don't think our complaining actually brings about truthfulness. And it leaves us more angry because what happens is as we pray, prayer complain, we just build up those thoughts and the feelings and the emotions that are in us because we're coming at it from like a negative perspective. And then the other thing is, is that sometimes we only see the person. We don't recognize that there's a spiritual world behind that that can influence a person. We know it because it's biblical and we, we hear it, but a lot of times we just look and we just see the person and don't recognize what's going on behind the scenes. And so what I want to do is I want to bring us behind the scenes and show some ways I think we can actively and positively begin to penetrate the darkness in people's lives and give them their free will that they have. Because if you try to control a person, that's the same as witchcraft. So we don't want to control or manipulate a person whatsoever. But we do want to see a person freed and released into the fullness of what God has for them. And so we can pray for that. We can stand against the work of the enemy in a person. So we only see the person. And I was thinking of this great scripture in 2 Kings. And this is Elisha and his servants. Uh, they're together in a place and they're surrounded. Here's what it says. They're surrounded by the enemies. It says, now when the attendant of the man of God had risen early and gone out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was circling the city. And the servant said to him, alas, my master, what shall we do? Of course, he's looking and all he can see is an army. And the two of them inside a city and they're goners. What are we going to do? We're just dead meat. And so... I love his answer. And so Elijah answered him, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And then it says, Elijah prayed and said, O Lord, I pray, open the eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire, all around Elijah. That's pretty awesome. He opened his eyes to the spiritual reality. And then you know the next thing, it's not up there, but the next thing he did, he says, Lord, blind their eyes. And then he left. <laughs> That's pretty cool. But did you hear what he said? There's more for us than is for them. God has more angels. 
then there are demons. God has more power than the enemy because the, the enemy is actually powerless unless we give him authority in our lives. And, you know, it says, well, the devil seems so strong. It's only because we've surrendered. We've given in. Because the scripture says you stand up against the enemy and he'll, he'll flee from you. And so here's the point I want to get to is that as we're praying and as we're seeing people, not to just look at the outside, not the exteriors, not just the things they're doing, but to recognize that we're in a spiritual battle for people's souls. So we're not fighting against flesh and blood. That means you're husband that means your wife that means your co-worker that means your fellow you know any relations in your family whoever whatever we're not just fighting against them and that's what it seems so often and so i want us to see in ephesians 6 12 it says for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the powers against the world forces of this darkness against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. And that's Ephesians chapter 6, uh, verse 12. You know, we have so many situations that people are in. How do we pray when we see people, you know, that are hurting us or we see people that are that are doing things that we know are not God's will? You know, like those who are doing things harmful to themselves or harmful to others and we see it, we recognize it. How do we deal with that? Well, I'm going to give us some general principles and I'm going to give you some real specific ones. And these uh, are basically things I've learned over the years. So the first one is pray the solution, not the problem. So you can pray the problem. You know, you can, and it's kind of like prayer complaining, but it's not because we're, we're seeing the problem and we're coming and we're bringing it before God. But we focus so much on the problem that, that what happens is that we're not bringing a solution. So pray the solution and, and pray for, I guess in this is, what, do you, what, what does God want for this person? What is God's word said that he wants for people? And we can begin to pray that. We can begin to pray the positive. You know, we, we had prayer meetings so often where we would just pray negative prayers. It just drove me crazy. And I said, you know, I started, came up with a thing. I said, we're going to pray positive prayers because... We can pray this all day long. You know, we can pray, oh, God, there's so much crime in our city. Oh, God, there's so much drugs in our city. Oh, God, there's so much this. And God knows all that. And he's placed us here to be an authority to bring his purposes to, to, to this world. And so what we can do is we can begin to pray the solution. We can begin to pray that people would have their eyes open to the realization of who God is. We can pray that their hearts would be healed and made whole so they don't have to struggle with this, that the addictions could be broken off of their life. We can pray the solution. God, move by the power of your Holy Spirit. And what we've been praying and actually asking, and many times we say, Lord, we've been praying for, for drug dealers to, to be captured and for the drugs that are coming into the city to be broken. So there's positive prayers. We're praying for things to be done 
and we're taking the authority that God's given us and not just lamenting what's happening, but actually through prayer begin to do it because we can't do everything. I can't stop the drug stuff coming into this city. That's what the police are for. They are there and that's their job and that's why God's placed them in that position of authority. So we ask for God to open their eyes. We ask for the, for the drug dealers to mess up so that they get caught. Oops, you know, uh, I messed up. Oh, I was speeding. Oh, my light bulb went out in my taillight and the cops stopped me and saw the drugs. Whatever. We're asking for God to do these things and to, to bring his righteousness and his goodness into this land. We're praying for people to be released and, and to, to come into the fullness of what God has for them. And so that, that's praying the solution. That's actually standing as a person in authority in God and praying for what he desires to take place. And so then that's a totally different thing in my mind than saying, oh God, there's so much stuff out here. Do something. He's saying, why don't you do something? I've given you authority. So stand up in prayer and do it. And actually our prayers are more important than I, I think 99% of us believe, including myself. But I refuse to not continue to pray. You know, we've been praying for some of these things that we're starting to see for 30-some years. We've been here 30 years, and we, this is what we've done. We've prayed constantly, constantly for God's move in this city. And you say, well, why do you keep going? Because God says pray. And when we pray, he's going to do it. And my... I was going to say my friend, but he isn't because I never knew him. He's like died in the 1800s or something. Uh, but he's my friend in a book. I have friends in books. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I read his books and I get encouraged. I get encouraged by the things. But, you know, he, uh, so George Mueller was a prayer warrior and he had, he had actually hundreds and then even thousands of orphans that they took care of, and he never did fundraising. People would, he'd pray, and God would supply. Sometimes they had kids, they were sitting in this, this place, they were all ready for breakfast, they were all sitting at the table, they had no food, no nothing, and he's praying and giving thanks for the food that God's going to provide. And then there's a knock on the door, guy says, oh my the wheel just fell off my wagon. I have these big, huge things of milk. I can't do anything with them, so I'm going to give them to you. And then a guy comes by. He says, I don't know. The Lord woke me up and told me I'm supposed to bake these how many ever loaves, and here you go. And like, yeah, stuff like that over and over and over and over. And he prayed and prayed and prayed. He prayed for a list of people. They, they've documented this. He used to document his prayers. When he prayed for someone's salvation, he'd write the date when he started praying, and he had a place for the day they got saved. And when he found out about it, he wrote those in. And what they did is they found out that this, this guy, every single person he prayed for came to know the Lord. Every single solitary one that he listed in his books, even some came after he died, because our prayers never stop. And so there's power in prayer, and we have to recognize that and stand up and begin to speak life into situations where death is ruling and reigning. Speak his life, not cooperate with the death and, and 
you know, we, we don't embrace it, obviously. We reject it, and we call in what God wants. So, so what we do is we pray the solution, not the problem. And now when we're talking about our friends and our family members and acquaintances, what we have to do, too, I think, is this pray for their destiny and purpose in God. Pray for their destiny and purpose in God. So ask God, who is this person? What have you made him to do? You know, God calls everyone. God died, Jesus died for everyone. Every single person. And every single person is actually gifted by God. There's natural gifts he gives. If he's the one who's the creator, if he's the one who forms and fashions people in the womb, then guess what? They are created for a purpose. They have certain gifts that they have. And so we're not talking about spiritual gifts like the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through them, like the gifts of the Spirit, because you have to be saved to flow in those things. But we're talking about people have natural giftedness, like they're called to be prophets, for example, prophetic, and they're very, they can see things and understand things and, and uh, all that kind of thing. But what happens, even with believers, is that the enemy seeks to pollute the giftedness that we have and turn it into something that, that's opposed to what God has. It's just not the life of God. And so he comes and he pollutes and he tries to bring these things because the enemy is striking out against people's callings. And he's trying to short-circuit. He's trying to destroy the gift of God in people, even, even those who aren't saved because... Man's created in the image of God, even though we're fallen, we're still in his image, and Satan hates every single person in the world. And so for us to understand that's a good thing. And because we have these different things in our, in our lives, our gifts can be polluted by our wounds, by the ungodly beliefs that we've picked up through living in this world, through ungodly attitudes and those kind of things. But God wants to, to bring freedom and release. And so when we can see what a person's gifting is, we can begin to speak that over that person. You don't have to do it physically in their ears. I'm talking about in prayer here because we're doing spiritual warfare. You usually don't do spiritual warfare and run up to a person and start doing business. That's not how you generally do it. Yeah, no, you don't do that. Uh, well, you could, but it might not be so successful. But what you do is you begin to see what, who, who God has called them to be, what God's called them to be, and you begin to speak over them. You begin to bless them. You begin to call them into their destiny. You begin to pray that, that every barrier that's stopping them from moving ahead in God would be broken, that every lie that, that's stopping them or hindering them from coming to God would be exposed, that that people would be able to come and respond to the living God and actually choose his life. And so we begin to pray and say, Lord, thank you for calling them. Oh, for years we, we prayed over our son Josh, and we still pray over the same, pretty much the same things. We pray for his destiny and his purpose that God's called him to be because God set him aside for his, for his own calling, his own reasons. Even, uh, you know, we talked about this a while back, I think Suzette and I, maybe I think she did it during one of the sermons she said, but I think 
Josh got his first prophetic word when he was sitting in a high chair. Somebody came up and prophesied over him what he would be. And so we could just grab hold of those things and begin to pray. But when we just look at what's going on externally, we get all upset and shook and, and moved by that. And God wants us to be at peace and he wants us to rest. Now, we struggled for quite a long time, you know, in our own hearts till God gave us peace. And he gives us peace so that we can trust in not what we see, but in what God says. And so we do that. And so to begin to pray and to release God's glory upon people because the enemy is against them and they don't even know it. They don't understand or comprehend what's happening in their lives. And so we do that. And the third general principle I want to talk about is pray God's kingdom come. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So you can look at any person's life, and if you see anything that's out of order, instead of, you know, sometimes we can maybe get critical, that's in the flesh stuff. Sometimes we can get judgmental on people. Instead of doing that, we can begin to look at their lives and begin to intercede in the name of Jesus for those things to be broken in their life. Because a lot of times what happens is it's happened in my life. If you're deceived, you don't know it. If you're deceived, you have no clue whatsoever you think you're believing the truth you think you're living the truth and if you're deceived it, it just you need to bring in freedom so when we see things in people's lives that aren't up to the fullness of life that god has we can begin to pray god come break into their life come and bring your glory into them come and and set this situation right and begin to intercede god this is what we want to see for this person and it has to line up with what god wants again we can't be manip manipulative it's not for our own good it's for theirs but we're interceding and we're praying and we're we're seeing the giftedness we're seeing the talent we're seeing all the things that they have but now god just break forth come and bring your peace to their if they're tormented bring your glory and bring your healing if they're broken all the different things and just begin to pray for these things to take place. And we're on the offensive. We're not on the defensive. We're, we're coming in and we're penetrating through the power of Jesus. So those are three general principles, I think, that are good. Now I'm going to get to the specifics, and this comes out of a passage, which is the key one we're going to look at. I love this passage because it says some cool things. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, which means we're humans, not flesh in the evil, nasty sense, because there's different meanings for flesh. This is flesh. But then there's evil, the flesh. It's not talking about that. Though we walk in the flesh, though we're weak, though we're human, though we're limited, it says we do not war according to the flesh. We don't war according to our own abilities. It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful. This is what I like. The weapons that God gives us are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. 
Now, a lot of times I've preached on this and I've focused on the aspect of that for our own life, taking every thought captive, to be aware of our thought life, what's taking place, every thought that comes through our mind. It says take every thought captive. So I'm not saying this. The scripture is, it says like, view your thinking, view what's happening in your mind and take them captive if they don't line up with who Jesus is. If they're a lie, if they're a thing that says, oh, you're lacking, you're this, you're that, you know how an ungodly belief is. Oh, I'll, I'll never have what everyone else has in the Lord. I'll never be joyful. I'll never, I'll never have peace. I'll never be able to do this. All these ungodly thoughts, every time one of those things pop up, we're supposed to grab hold of them if they don't agree with what God says and choke them. Take them captive and say no. Well, I think we can do the same thing with, for people. We can begin to take these things captive as we see the lies in their life and begin to do that. So let's, let's talk about things. It says, for the weapons of our warfare, right, are not of the flesh but divinely powerful to the destruction of fortresses. So what's a fortress? Well, it's a huge, you know, huge fortress is this massive thing to keep, to protect people and actually to keep people in also, but to protect them. And, and it, it holds people captive, these fortresses. And every fortress that this is talking about has to do with the mind, thoughts, responses in the mind. And so we'll see that because here's what it talks about. And we are destroying three things, speculations, Every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God and every thought, we're taking every thought captive. So we have speculations, lofty things, and thoughts. So let's look at those. These are the specifics, and here's what we're talking about. So the word, you know, the word uh, for speculations, I don't even know why some preachers say this. Some people like the Greek, but... It's, it's logizmos. It's logizmos. So logos is word, right? And the word became flesh and dwelt, in, dwelt among us. So it's combining that word. But what it means is there's two different aspects to it. One is it's a logic. It's calculated thought. So when it says speculations, it's not just going, oh, I suspect this is true. This is talking about concepts and ideas that are different from the word of god and they are actually thought through their calculated thought they are are thought through very well and the second aspect is that these things are opposed to god's word and they contradict god's truth and so what this is is it's deceptive reasoning with evil intent to draw people away from the living god and so what what are these then? It's de demonic and human logic that opposes God's word. So remember in the scripture it talks about there's doctrines of demons that lead people astray. They're lies that have been perpetuated by the enemy that people are actually believing and connecting to, but it's going to lead to their destruction because it leads them away from Christ. And that's what does this. And so here's the kind of things that we have. Um, speculations are like philosophies they're philosophies 
and their religions and their world views. They're the huge picture things. They're not just these little thoughts or concepts. They're these big pictures, this whole philosophical understanding. Things like humanism, that's a philosophy of life. Atheism, that's a philosophy of life. Some people call it a religion. I don't. Uh, Hinduism, that's definitely a religion that leads us away from Christ because it doesn't look to Christ for salvation. Uh, Buddhism, uh, Islam, racism. Racism is totally opposed to, to, to God. And, you know, it's where we think we're better than other people and we oppose them because of that. Intellectualism or materialism. All these big thoughts, concepts that have been woven into philosophy, worldviews, and those things. This is what it's talking about. So when we see someone who's captured in one of these things, we can begin to pray for their release. And so what we can do, how do we war then in that case when we see ungodly beliefs in people's minds and they're following things that are false? Well, the first thing is to stand against every spirit behind the lie. That's the first thing. That's the, remember, we're not fighting against flesh and blood. They're captured. Uh, I did a cleansing, a cleansing stream. I did a experiencing his victory. I'm so used to saying cleansing stream because I've done it for 22 years. But experiencing his victory, that's that retreat that, I, that I've created and done. And one of the things that we were talking about is is occult backgrounds and those kind of things and, and exposing the occult because the occult means hidden. And so we need to expose that, bring it to the light in people's lives. And so I had whole lists of, of different things that were in cult involvement, you know, things like, uh, things like uh, Ouija boards, palm reading, horoscopes, all the different things that try to give you insight apart from God into your life and how you should live it are ones that speak life uh, to your life, what's going to happen. It's really interesting, and, and I don't know, you know, you can say, no, that stuff's just a bunch of hocus-pocus. It's just a bunch of junk. It's not real. This was an interesting story that uh, that Jim told me. He's he's the guy that... that uh, works with me in the retreats in Watford City. He said that a brother and sister just went to the fair and there was this lady that was reading crystal balls and so she she said to she said to the lady who went, brother and a sister, to the lady she said, "You are going to die in a crash. You're going to have your baby in your arms and the baby will live but you will die." And so she took it. She just <clears throat> took it and sucked it right in. And she said to the brother, says, you will be driving down the road. You will, you will have, um, you will have a uh, trailer on the back. And what will happen is, is you'll have an accident. The vehicle will flip and you will be killed. And so he took it. And so this family, they talked about it often. And this is a family from around the Watford City area. And so they, he's given, you know, he knows the names of the people and everything, and that's why he knows this story. And so guess what happened? Exactly what was said. 
exactly what was said. She went through, she had the baby in her arms. She went through uh, a green light and a semi went through a red light, slammed into her, killed her, and the baby survived. And then within a short period of time, the tires blew out or something and went around this curve and flipped and the guy got killed. And you say, well, wait a minute, what's going on here? Because the enemy has assignments against us, but we can cut those off. If they would have just, first of all, not did that, but second of all, not really sucked it in and believed it and opened themselves up to the demonic realm. It's just amazing because the enemy has an assignment. We don't have to be fearful of that, but that's why this is deception. That's why the enemy has evil intents. He wants to bring death and destruction. And so we just stand against the spirits behind these things, and we fight and we fuse them. Listen to what it says in 2 Corinthians 4.4. I know you guys have heard this scripture. It says, in those... In, those, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And so this says Satan is blinding the eyes of unbelievers. So what, what do you think we would pray for that? God, rip that veil off. Let them begin to see. Let expose every lie in their life. Let them begin to see the possibilities and the truths of your scripture. Take the blinders off their eyes. We'd say blinders, you know, this says a veil. But take the blinders off so that they can actually see what's going on and taking place. And you begin to pray and you begin to intercede. And you begin to ask God to, to set people free and to take care of their life and to really work. And so then you begin to attack the lies that they're believing. See, what happened at this retreat also is there was a person there that was involved with Freemasonry. In the occult thing, I've, I've listed Freemasonry because they have certain levels that they go through. There's thir 33 degrees in that thing, and every level they go through there, but there's all of these names of gods that they actually speak to and make vows to and do all this kind of thing. And so this guy went home and he took everything he had from Freemasonry because he had been involved in it. And he just, he burned it. Because that's why I, I said, if you got stuff, you need to burn it. Don't give it away. Don't hand it off to anyone else. But if you have any occult material, anything from these things, he went right home and he burned that stuff because there's connections to that and the vows that he said. And, and they're going to lead him through there's, there's things you can do to re renounce, repent, and get rid of all the connections that you made through this. And so this is what we do. We begin to pray that people could begin to see. And I had another person after that one come up to me. She goes, I cannot believe this. I cannot believe I did all these things when I was a kid. I never knew this. I never knew this had anything to do with the occult. I never knew this was a bad thing to do. And so I said, well, good. Now you're under control, right? You're free from that. Yeah, 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 you know, but it's just amazing how things can go and how we can take, do you know like a prophetic word that God gives? He speaks over our life. He tells us what he has planned for us. Demons can speak words, prophetic words that will lead to death. That's why God says stay away from this stuff. Don't have anything to do with it at all because it brings death and destruction. 
And God wants us to have life. And so we can begin to pray and we can begin to intercede against this whole thing. And we can attack the things they're believing and ask God to break the deception off of their life and to open their eyes to the truth. And I think that's a huge one, you know. I do this all the time. This is one of my constant prayers for myself as well as almost anybody I pray for if they're going through things. Lord, break any lies off. Expose them. Show them for what they are so they can reject them. You know, if, 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 you, if you don't see it, you don't understand it. But if God shows you, then you have a choice to make. And you can be set free. And that's really important. So those are speculations, these huge, huge concepts and ideas, philosophies. But then it says, every lofty thing exalted against the knowledge of God. This lofty word means conceit, pride, and arrogance that refuses to submit to God. So it says every lofty thing, it says raised up against the true knowledge of God. So these are things that are raised up specifically to take away a true knowledge of God. And so what we're to do is just grab hold of them. Now, I want to give you a really good example of how this works. You know, in the Garden of Eden, we could have had a different result. If Eve and Adam would have stood up and said, go in the name of God. You know, we didn't have Jesus uh, understanding back then, but God had given him authority and power. He said, go, I'm in charge of this garden. You leave. But that's not what happened. And so I want you to see how this works, these lofty things. So in Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, says the Lord God commanded the man saying from any tree of the garden you may eat freely but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat for in the day that you eat from it you will surely die now that's pretty straightforward don't eat from this tree in the day that you eat from this tree you'll die so Eve well the serpent comes to Eve, and first thing he says is this. He says, did God say you could not eat from any of the trees in the garden? That's what he said. And here's what Eve said. Now look and see if you notice anything different. The woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it unless you die. So she's adding to God's word. She's making it more restrictive than God has already said. He just said, don't eat. He didn't say, don't touch. He is very clear, don't eat. And so she's bringing more restriction. And then here's what the enemy says to her. The serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. That's a lofty thing, exalted against the knowledge of God because God had spoken. And here's what he says, for God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. And so the enemy's saying, now God's withholding stuff from you. He's trying to stop you from being all that you can be. He's trying to stop you from being like him when we're already created in his image. And so here's what a lofty thing is. It's pride, it's arrogance, it's the enemy standing up and saying no. And of course, then what happens? You know, we... I, I'm not sure your view of Adam and Eve eating from the fruit, but a lot of people go, that's 
really stupid. All they did was eat a piece of fruit. No, the idea was they rebelled against God. She said, oh, you're holding back on me? And that's the basic idea. She saw that the tree was good to eat, and, and it's wonderful. Give her knowledge. It'll do all these good things. And after all, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take this. I'm going to better myself. And so in rebellion, that's what she did. So it wasn't just the eating of the fruit. It was the rebellion behind it. And the thing that says, God, I know better than you. And they went their own ways. And so, so how do we war against this? Well, I think, first of all, that we stand against the spirits of pride and rebellion that are motivating the person. I think, you know, it would have been a totally different world if Adam would have said, Satan, get out of here. Spirit, you know, serpent, go. Get out of this garden. God's given me authority in this garden. You go. And, of course, it would have been a totally different picture. But they didn't. Adam willfully submitted. You know, she, Eve gave him the fruit, and he willfully submitted, and it's through Adam that death entered the world. You know, a lot of people point to the woman and blame the woman. It's a woman. Well, he ate. He willingly did it. He chose. So it's his own responsibility. And it says through Adam, death entered the world. Not through Eve, through Adam and his sin. So that's important for us to remember. We don't use that verse to bash women. We're not women bashers around here. We love women. We want to elevate you to the fullness of everything God has for you. So how do we do that? Stand against those spirits of rebellion. And then we begin to attack the person's ungodly thoughts. And we ask for revelation and repentance. It's kind of the similar process. I just, I just try to just, just pray, God, open, open their eyes constantly because I want people to get it. Now, one more thing, and then we're done. Because now we're down to thoughts. Thoughts are those things that come and come and come and come and come. And, you know, we have actually... I can't even remember. It's just a ridiculous amount. They, I don't even know how you could have time to have that many thoughts, but they think we have like thirty or 40,000 or even more thoughts a day. Come on, how in the world? But your brain never stops, really. And some have more, I think. Woo! Some have a few more than that. But yeah, but the idea, so then how can you take every thought captive? Every conscious thought that comes, we need to really, really think about this. But now we're talking about, we're praying for family, we're praying for friends, we're praying for, for, um, for those that we know. And so how do we do this? This idea of thought has two concepts too. I just love this stuff. This, this word's noema in, in the Greek, but it says a thought based on the process of thinking. So again, it's a thought that it, it, it's not, the enemy attacks us through thoughts. And if he gets us to believe a lie, that begins to place bricks around us. And if we believe it long enough and add other ungodly beliefs about God, ourselves, and others, it's going to be a, become a fortress. So that's why it's so important for us to destroy these through the power of the Holy Spirit. And... The second part of this is plans of the enemy based on evil intent. 
all of these things, speculations, lofty things, and thoughts, everything, anything the enemy does towards you, whether he says it's for your good or not, is evil because he's seeking to keep you from God, to destroy your life. And so this really becomes important for us. So what do I pray? I, I pray against ungodly beliefs about God, themselves, and others. Okay? So if we begin to pray, we say, well, how do I know somebody, you know, how do I know my family members' ungodly beliefs? Man, when you live with someone for a while, you get to know what they believe, don't you? And so you can begin to pray against those, and you can begin to pray for breakthrough because it's not what God desires. So I think what, how you can know this, these ungodly beliefs, are by the words that they say and by their actions. The words and the actions will show you what you can begin to pray. And you can begin to pray at the blessing of the Lord upon them. You can uh, attack, of course, every time we do this, because these are, remember, things of the enemy that are of evil intent. We can always attack the spirit behind the process, always, and stand against that thing. And then we can begin to take those thoughts. So let's say... Let's say one of your family members, for whatever reason, they're just saying, you know what, I, I can never do anything right. I can never, I can never keep a job. I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't. Well, then you can begin to see the process that they have a mindset that they can, they, they'll never be able to flourish. They'll never be able to grow and increase. And you can begin to attack that and stand against it and begin to take that captive for them also. You can say, in the name of Jesus Christ, I just I, I take that thought captive in, in Jesus' name. I refuse to allow this to continue on, and I ask for your freedom and your deliverance. And we begin to speak forth things of life again into them according to those other principles. We're praying positively. We're praying for, for uh, God's purpose to be in them. We're praying for his kingdom to come and his will to be done. And so we're praying for these things. And, and we can begin to see people are now have a possibility of change. Like when you're deceived and the veil's over your eyes, you have no choice. But when we pray, we can, we can actually stand against the spirits of hell and, and peel these things back so that they can begin to see. And when they see, they have a choice. And that doesn't always mean they'll choose God, but boy, I'll tell you, if, if they're in blinded, they'll never be able to choose. And so what we are is, you know, you've heard this, right? If any of us are saved, it's because somebody prayed. Somebody prayed for us. I don't know who, but somebody did, right? Somebody prayed. And you always hear, I always hear these on testimonies. You ever, yeah, my grandma, she's always praying for me. That's all she ever do is she'd say, I'm praying for you. And that's all she, she'd just pray, 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 pray. And I said, go, you know, knock yourself out, grandma. Do whatever you want to do. But grandma was praying and something happened. You know, prayer changes things. And I want us to understand that, that we don't have to be just helpless and hopeless in situations, but we can actually take the offensive and begin to press and begin to push back the darkness and begin to push back the things of the enemy in our lives and the lives of others. And so hopefully that makes sense. 
Um, hopefully. Now, let, let me tell you this. Um, I, I was listening to this one. Um, th there's this one counseling center. They do, they do deliverance ministry and stuff. And I was listening to their, um, their podcasts and stuff. And they were talking about how the, these situations is sometimes you can go into situations. You'll never be able to control a person. But when you go into a place... Let's say, let's say there's just a place that's filled with gossip or backbiting. There's a place that's, that's filled with uh, anger or whatever, or your boss is a certain way and those kind of things, that you can actually go into the place because you're, you're a believer in Christ, and you can, you can actually push back the darkness, and you can, for a short period of time, Set, set the person free. They, you know, they're not delivered, they're not this, but you can actually push back. And they've had situations where um, they were talking about how, how this one person that was over her, this lady, and she said that, that she didn't realize it and she'd go in and things would be terrible and then she started just binding the spirits before she went into work. On the way to work, she just, I bind the spirit of complaining, or I bind the spirit of, of backbiting. I bind this spirit in the name of Jesus, and then she would go in and things would, would change for a while, but they're never going to change fully till the person changes. We have to understand that we have no control over them. We're not manipulating people, but we're pushing back the spirits so that people are able to respond in a different way than they've been able to respond because of what's happening in their lives. So hopefully that makes sense. And so um, I've heard of different ones. I heard of different ones. They'd go in and they'd go into work early and they'd, they had different, different ones that were causing troubles in their business and stuff. And they would go in there and they'd go in early and they'd anoint their seats with oil and they'd start praying. And they'd go over here and they'd just walk through before everybody got there. You know, and then they'd pray and they'd begin to ask, and then God began to work and do some things to change them. And so that's that's an important thing to remember that we're not fighting against just flesh and blood, but principalities, powers, and rulers. So, so Lord, just help us to understand this and put this into practice in our own lives, and help us to grow in it. I think it's just a growing process. So, Lord, help us to do that. And, and I just pray your blessing upon each of us. I ask that you open our eyes to any areas that we're not seeing, that you are the one who opens the eyes of the blind, and that's spiritually also. So we're asking you to do that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Pizza and pasta next week. Wahoo!